we'll have enough time for that last verse. <laughs> so I just need to drag out this first bit a bit so we've run out of time. Welcome to you if you're joining us on the live stream. I never know which camera to look at nowadays. Sometimes it's that one, sometimes it's that one, sometimes it's that one. But wherever you are, from wherever you're watching online, uh, very welcome. So a young man was walking uh, down the street, and um, I say young, this is relative to me, so let's say late 20s for argument's sake. And um, he was a little unsteady on his feet, so every now and again he seemed to just kind of wander a little bit and just wandered into the road and back onto the pavement, and the uh, drivers that were driving past, you know, when this guy kind of went into the road would, you know, toot their horns or shout something from inside the car, some kind of abuse. And uh, other people walking along the pavement, you know, likewise kind of looked fairly disparagingly at him. And one person stopped to, to ask if he was okay, if anything was going on. And, um, but they couldn't understand what he was saying because his speech was a bit slurred. He, he appeared drunk. Um, and so it went on. And the general consensus from those who passed him either in, in the car or on the pavement was that uh, either he was an idiot or he was drunk or something like that. But what they didn't know was that he, that was, was, that he was suffering from a progressive nervous disease. Actually, he had a wife and two kids at home and uh, he was struggling to play his part as he saw it in their family. And he wanted to play his part, and he wanted to show that he was capable, that he could go out on his own and be safe, and, and so on and so forth. But of course, all of that was hidden to those people that were just passing him by and weren't aware of his circumstances. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, Jesus says in Matthew 7, for in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as Cindy said, we are continuing this series uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we come to another challenging section about passing judgment on others. And like so many of the other passages that we've looked at in this series, it's easily misunderstood and it's often quoted out of context. So, what does it mean? Or maybe to start off with, what doesn't it mean? What doesn't it mean? You see, it can't mean that I shouldn't make judgments about other people, can it? If someone says to you, you're a good judge of character, you take that as a compliment, don't you? And the need to make judgments is implied in the passage itself. So whatever Jesus meant by um, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not, throw, uh, what is, do not throw your pearls to pigs, which we may come to later, depending on time, etc., etc. <laughs> um, whatever he meant, you can't follow that instruction without making a judgment about who is a dog or who is a pig. Fair? Later on in this chapter, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, or even if you haven't, actually, later on in this chapter, it's still, still true. Verse 15, uh, watch out for false prophets. Well, again, you can't follow that instruction unless you're able to make a judgment about 
whether a prophet is a true prophet or a false prophet. So whatever, whatever Jesus is teaching here, he's not telling us to abandon all critical assessments. What is he asking of us? Well, I'd like to suggest he's asking us to make judgments without being judgmental. To think critically without having a critical heart. And we can break down verses 1 to 5 into three headings, I think. Don't be a judge, first of all. Don't be a hypocrite, secondly. And thirdly, do be a brother. So let's look at those in turn. Firstly, don't be a judge. Read these verses again, 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we're not to stand in judgment over others as if we were God, knowing their thoughts, knowing their motives, knowing their hearts, knowing what's gone on in their lives. I mean, let's face it, we do often jump to, to conclusions, don't we, based on what we observe on the outside. But we're not like God. God can see beyond the surface into our hearts and into our circumstances. He knows what we've been through. A century or so ago, a bishop was uh, sailing for Europe on one of the great transatlantic ocean liners. And uh, he went on board and he found out that he was sharing a berth with another passenger. So he went downstairs. Did you say downstairs in the ship? I don't know. He went downstairs uh, to have a look at his accommodation and um, met the guy that he was sharing with. Went back upstairs, onto deck, that's right, that's the right terminology, below deck and above deck, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Went back uh, <laughs> up onto the deck to talk to the purser, um, and he said, would you mind if I give you my valuables to look after? Got a gold watch here and some other things that are precious to me, would you mind? Because I've just met the guy in the cabin that I'm going to be sharing with. And to be frank with you, I'm not sure I can trust him based on what I've seen. And the purse was very understanding. He said, yes, sir, that's absolutely fine. Um, took, his, took his valuables and he said, um, I'll be glad to take care of them for you. In fact, the other man's just been up and left his things here for the same reason. <laughs> uh, but it's true, isn't it? We, we jump to conclusions about people based on how they look, how they appear to us. Did you know that one scientific study revealed that attractive counsellors are perceived as more intelligent, more warm, more competent, and more trustworthy than less attractive ones? If you're going into a career in counselling, you need to brush up on your looks. Another study showed that judges were more lenient when sentencing attractive criminals, this is true, than unattractive ones, even though the same crime had been committed. People who are overweight can be stereotyped as lazy. What about those hoodie-wearing teenagers? who are so often judged as being troublemakers. We make judgments about people just on the basis of what we see. 
And then we jump to conclusions about people because of how they act. So that guy who sped past me at 80 miles an hour, he's an idiot. Or just maybe, just maybe he's rushing to hospital to get to see a loved one. Or that woman who doesn't maintain her garden as beautifully as I do. She's lazy, she's irresponsible. Or maybe she's just got more pressing needs that she needs to attend to. Or that kid who bunks off lessons last thing on a Friday. What a loser. Or maybe he's a young carer. Why do we do this? Why do we pass judgment on people? Because of their looks or because of their actions? Is it to make us feel better? You know, to make us feel more righteous? Are we seeing our own faults in other people and then judging them instead of judging ourselves? Are we maybe jealous that they're doing the things that actually we'd like to do but we feel we couldn't get away with? Jesus says that in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, uh, that measure will be used for you. Because they're accountable to God, not to us. We dare not play the role of judge. Paul wrote to the Romans, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. So as someone has said, if we enjoy occupying the bench, we must not be surprised to find ourselves in the dock. We cannot read other people's hearts. We cannot read other people's motives. So, don't be a judge. And then secondly, don't be a hypocrite. Verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all of the time there was a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? So we're in, no, we're in no position to stand in judgment over others, not only because we can't see into their hearts, but because we ourselves are disqualified from the bench. And Jesus uses this wonderful image, exaggerated, ridiculous image of someone with a plank sticking out of their eye, trying to remove a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye. On Sunday morning, an old guy entered a church just before the service was about to begin. He was from the country, he was in the city for a while, and um, he found this beautiful church and he went inside. And he was dressed casually, like most of us are here today. A denim shirt, jeans, he had boots on, he was wearing a hat, carrying a Bible. Um, and he went into church, and the church was a bit, well, I don't know whether it was like this one or not, but it was kind of, it was, it was upmarket, it was beautiful. The congregation were beautiful, the people were beautiful, they were all wearing, you know, smart clothes and um, expensive accessories. Anyway, the man took a seat in the church, and uh, a couple of people looked at him a little askance, and one or two just moved a little bit further away. No one greeted him. No one spoke to him. 
no one welcomed him. By the way, I hope that's not your experience when you come to church this morning. But anyway, the old man was leaving the church and uh, the, preacher, the preacher approached him at the end and uh, asked the man to do him a favour. And he said, look, before you come here again, would you mind just asking the Lord what would be appropriate to, to wear in, in a place of worship like this? And the man said, okay, he'd do just that. Well, the following Sunday, he was back and he was wearing exactly the same things and he had a very similar experience. So at the end of the service, the, the preacher approached him and uh, said to him, you know, I thought we agreed that you would ask the Lord about what it's appropriate to wear in a place of worship like this. And the old guy said, I did. And the preacher said, so what did, what did he say? And the man said, well, God told me that he had, didn't have a clue what I should wear because he'd never been in here before. <laughs> harsh, eh? Harsh. Someone has said that before we challenge another person about their life, we must challenge the person we see in the mirror about their love. I think that's really powerful. Before we challenge another person about their life, we must challenge the person we see in the mirror about their love. And this is what Jesus is driving at. You see, Jesus probably knew what it was like to have a splinter in the eye, sawdust in the eye. He was a carpenter, wasn't he? So it's not beyond the realms of imagination to picture this happening to him at some point. And maybe, just maybe, some clumsy guy with meaty, dirty hands had offered to get that speck of sawdust out of his eye. And he saw in this teaching opportunity, uh, after he'd said, thank you very much, I, I'm sure I can manage myself, he saw in this a teaching opportunity. See, it's not wrong to want to help someone, that's a good thing. But that help must be offered from a place of awareness of our own shortcomings and weaknesses. It's not that we shouldn't shun the idea of helping people to grow, of pointing them to a better way. Because as, as well as saying don't be a judge and don't be a hypocrite, Jesus is also saying do be a brother. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, it's been pointed out that there's no, there's no organ more sensitive than the eye. You know what it's like, don't you? The moment someone approaches your eye with their finger, you kind of blink. You're very, very sensitive in that department. But if you have something in your eye, you want it out, don't you? You want it out. Now, a person will do more damage than good if they make a clumsy approach uh, to uh, removing something, your eye, something from your eye. So, if you do want it removed, what you want is someone who is patient, someone who is careful, and ideally someone who's got clean hands. Yeah? You want that kind of person to be able to help you. Someone who knows what they're doing and someone who's in a place to do so. So Jesus is not saying, you know, just leave everyone else to their own devices. You need to sort yourself out. He's saying, sort yourself out so that you can be in a place to help other people.
Don't point a finger in judgment. Hold out a hand to help. And I just wonder if it's possible that some of us are so worried about being perfect ourselves that we feel disqualified to help other people. And if you think about it, it's the opposite extreme to being judgmental. So the judgmental person says, I'm superior to you, you could do with my help. But this other person says, I'm inferior to you, I couldn't possibly help you. The judgmental person says, well, I can tell by how you look and what you do that you've got problems that need sorting. But this other person says, I've got so many problems of my own, it would be wrong to suggest I could help you. This judgmental person says, I am the judge, but this other person says, I am the guilty one. But this idea that I have to be completely sorted out before I can help others is false. Someone has pointed out that striving to be perfect creates feelings of helplessness and hopelessness because there is simply no way to be perfect. None of us are perfect. If I have a speck of something in my eye, I don't need you to be an eye surgeon. I just need you to be loving and to be careful and to have clean hands. That's all I ask of you. You don't have to be a healthcare professional. You just need to be, for me, a brother or a sister. So don't be a judge, don't be a, hip, don't be a hypocrite, do be a brother, but what about the pigs? What about the pigs? Have I got time? Maybe. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, Jesus wasn't one to mince his words, was he? He just wouldn't fit in in British society, would he? Far too plain speaking and outspoken. Pharisees he called whitewashed tombs and a brood of vipers. He called Herod Antipas that fox. Jesus just did not pull any punches sometimes. And he doesn't pull any punches here either, does he? Pigs and dogs, what is he referring to? Well, first of all, let's put out of our minds any images we might be entertaining of cute puppies or Peppa Pig. Okay? So the dogs that Jesus has in mind here are scavengers. They're not your kind of friendly little puppy. They're scavengers. They're, they're dirty. They're on the lookout for some bit of scrap meat they can get hold of. The pigs were considered unclean, of course, by the Jews. And in this particular instance, their vicious nature is underlined by the phrase, they will turn and tear you to pieces. So, who is Jesus referring to? Well, in Proverbs 9, 8, we read this. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Now, no one's grateful for criticism and correction. Sorry, not everyone is grateful for criticism and correction. There are some people who may value constructive criticism, even though they may not appreciate it at the time. 
But there are others who will hate you for it. Who will have no respect for your words, however kindly spoken, however carefully chosen. And instead of turning to you to thank you, they will turn on you to abuse you. And this, for example, will be some people's response to the good news about Jesus. So the starting point for this good news about Jesus is that we need God's forgiveness. Some people accept this message gladly and humbly. When Paul preached the gospel in Pisidian Antioch, the Gentiles were glad and honored the word of the Lord. That was one response. But the Jews were filled with jealousy and heaped abuse on Paul. That was another response. So we read Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet and left the area. Similar story when Paul preached in Corinth, Acts chapter 18. We read that when they opposed Paul and became abusive, there's that word again, abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I'm innocent of it. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. So Paul refused to keep throwing his pearls to those who devalued them, to those who was going to turn on him. And Jesus was similar. He wouldn't play to the crowd. He wouldn't play to Herod. Do you remember that scene when, you know, just before he was crucified, he was taken to Herod's palace and Herod expected him to put on a performance? Jesus wouldn't play to the, play to the crowd. Someone said, Disciples of Jesus are not to be stormtroopers for the kingdom of God. If a door is open, we can go in. If it's ajar, we can push it gently. But we don't try and break down a door that has been shut in our faces. That's what I think those verses mean. So in summary then, don't be a judge don't stand in judgment over someone as if you knew their circumstances like God does. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't point out other people's shortcomings until you've had a close look at your own. Do be a brother or sister. Don't let your shortcomings stand in the way of someone, of helping someone if you can help them. But mind those pigs. If your help is despised, and the door is slammed in your face, then don't try and break it down. Amen.